Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 26 of the Avocado Games Cast, the Avocado's gaming podcast. I'm Merv, your friendly neighborhood gamer, and today we have a great episode lined up for you. We're going to play Video Game Doctor and try to fix some games that aren't quite up to snuff. But first, let's meet the other folks who are here with me today. First up, he's our resident but reluctant Sonic superfan. It's Banner Thief. Hello, hello, hello. Rumor has it he had a joystick in the womb. It's Ninjaneer. And he has advantage for life. Yeah. Uh, he's got a Joy-Con stable to each arm. It's a talking to Mike. Hey, hey. And finally, he's been waging a war against intellectual pursuits since 1903. It's science is bad. I'm a hundred-year-old doctor. Hello. My key D ratio is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think doctors are the one kind of people whom you don't want to have a high KD ratio. <laughs> well, that, you know, I'm 100 years old. Like, what you going to do? Yeah. That I mean, there was that the whole, ratio. There was, that whole, that there was that whole time with numbers. polio. <laughs> Did you ever hear about that, that surgeon who killed three people during one surgery? Yes. Yes, fantastic stuff. Like, I'm sorry, what? Was he just, like, shooting the nurses? What is he no, doing? he was... The, his patient died, but he was had to saw some things off, and he accidentally sliced a nurse, and she died. And I believe someone else got whooped up into that thing and also died. So he had a three. So he had three people dead from one operation. Yeah, one guy died from heart attack. That was watching it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like die from the shock of seeing the nurse get sliced. Yeah, I think so. Triple kill. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Uh, I only need two more for my drone. Kill rip, rip and tear. <laughs> yeah, so let's not kill anybody else today. Um, <laughs> yet. Yeah. That's not on the agenda. It's not on the agenda. There's no, there's no killing on the agenda. There was a podcast Again, a loose while agenda, ago where though. we... One I, second. <laughs> I thought I saw something in... Oh, no, no. Sorry, my bad. No. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. I should have read this before. I think a, a while ago we, we said we were going to try to kill the personification of Xbox. I don't know what happened to that. No. Um, but in any case, guys, guess what arrived for me uh, in the mail yesterday? Was Your it Persona 5 head. Golden Edition? A human head. The Pers- Super NES thing they're doing. Wait, that's not out until October, I believe, or the end of September. Near and, and, end of September. Too. <laughs> oh my uh, god! No. Cool. Uh, I have a Nintendo Switch now, guys. Awesome. I am the proud hey. owner of a Nintendo Switch. Nintendo saw fit to give you one. Yeah, I, I actually keep seeing those in the store, and I keep uh, not buying them because I just I'm waiting for Fire Emblem uh, Warriors and Mario Odyssey. Oh, so you preemptively stapled the Joy Cons to your arm. Yes. Waiting until so, it comes so, out. Okay. So did Nintendo listen to the podcast and said, you know, we got to get one of them at least equipped with our console? Yeah, so finally they must have sent me one just for yeah. free because this podcast is yeah. so popular. Exactly, um, exactly, yes. No, I bought the, the bundle with uh, Mario Rabbids, and cool. it's surprisingly pretty good. Well, yeah. not surprisingly because we now know with the reviews that came out and saying it was good. Uh, mm-hmm. It actually turned out to be good. What I'm surprised at is that it's it's a really good looking game. Oh, interesting. I, I am yeah. thoroughly entertained by the notion that that game has been a system seller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it has. 
I'm like, you guys are buying a a. Granted, it's not that expensive of a console, but still, you guys are spending this much money for a console to play a game with Mario and rabbits in it, which should yeah, be the first lo- thing ever. I'm thinking a lot of that might be they're buying it for Mario Rabbids now, but they know there's stuff like Mario Odyssey and Metroid coming out later. They're just getting what? the Switches now, and Mario Rabbids is the best current game on it. Yeah, yeah, there's that, but it's like I never would have figured that that would be like, well, you know what? I'm going to buy my Switch now because Mario Rabbids is out instead of waiting until Mario Odyssey comes yeah. out, which would usually but- be what would happen. <laughs> yeah, but think about how often like Mario actually interacts with like uh, Western games. Like this is a crossover that I don't think it's like it, it's a very interesting one. Like it's not very often that we have like Nintendo actually making crossovers with uh, Ubisoft or whatever or uh, Activision <laughs> or any any other Western developer. So this kind of neat, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's neat. In practice, but it's also on the a other good hand, game, so you know. On the other hand, it is still rabbits. Yeah, like in theory, yeah. so yeah. In theory, you'd think it would be it would be awful. Yeah, um, yeah. it actually turns out pretty pretty good. And uh, as uh, talking to Mike said, I bought this because Super Mario Odyssey and Xenoblade Chronicles Two are coming down the pipeline. I figured might as well buy one now because it's gonna be yeah. super hard to get one once Super Mario Odyssey comes out. And I'm intrigued by this game anyway. I liked the sort of combat portions of XCOM. I didn't like the metagame. So if I mm-hmm. get something that strips out the metagame and keeps the combat portions of XCOM, I'm going to be pretty happy. And so far, I've enjoyed it. It is um, a little bit strategically um, strategically a little bit easier than XCOM, I'd say. Like, you have fewer units to manage. Um, they're... The numbers are a lot easier. It's either fifty percent, hundred percent chance to shoot something, or zero. Nothing like you know a thirty-five percent chance. You fucked up if it was harder than XCOM. Oh, and in some places it gets it gets a little bit harder than XCOM, or I should say a little bit more complicated because there's more you can do on each turn. Yeah, so I've heard if, that the that the movement options get ridiculous. Yeah, there's some. If you plan out your movement correctly, you can on some turns move from one end of the map to the other by exploiting these sort of warp pipes and other uh, features of the map, you can attack somebody on one side of the map by dashing through them, go through a warp pipe, then come out on the other side of the map on higher ground and then attack another enemy from behind or do something Hmm. like that. It's pretty, it gets pretty complicated and sophisticated um, what you can do on each turn. You know, I'd say one thing rabbits are are good for uh, is being annoying enemies that you want to kill. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'd yeah, say they're... I like everything about this game except the rabbits. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that one of the main complaints is the fact that they cannot have a team without rabbits. Oh. Yeah. It's... Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's all like strikes like again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're more like a low-level irritation. They're not like minions, which I just yeah. Like, they make my blood like boil minions. because of overexposure. If rabbits had become as popular as minions, I think I'd hate no. them even more. No, no, no way. Minions already took that spot, and the rabbits were exist existed before minions, and they That's didn't. True. Caught minions on. are yeah. like rip-off rabbits. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the you know, it, it's not complicated to come up with this shit. So <laughs> it's not yeah. like they ripped off 
this thing. I think it just came organically out of them. It's like the answer to the question, what would happen if we turned rabbits into banana-flavored pills? Yeah, basically. And and less screaming (laughs) from the minions, I think, and more like nonsense words. Yeah, that's true. It's the first time I'd ever wanted to hear more screaming in my life. (laughs) Oh, God. Freaking despicable me, too. I can hear them scream when I murder them. No, no, we're saving the murder for the end of the podcast. So, okay. yeah, Mario one of us rabbits. will be murdered. Yeah, Mario plus rabbits. Won't be good. me. <laughs> well, shit. All right, what, what have the rest of you guys been playing? Um, well, I, I've, been, I've been playing only two games, and I don't know which one I, I should be talking about. Uh, okay, so I can talk about everybody's golf, I guess, um, because the second game I play uh, is Rocksmith, which is... Not, not much to talk about. That's a guitar learning tool, basically. So um, everybody's golf. Um, I've been playing it for um, well since it came out because I really like the franchise and I like golf games, and it's fun. It's it's more <laughs> arcadey than your usual golf games that are like uh, Tiger Woods and and other of the type, um, and it has some weird dumb customization options for players um and it teaches you like you have by beating you know your opponents you learn to swim and to um and to like drive a car and to uh fish and all all kinds of weird options that are exist in the game for no reason at all um it's fun and i'm having a blast with it it's like a I was thinking about buying Destiny 2, but I thought, uh, I I just don't, like, it's a game that you really have to, like, invest a lot of time in to, like, get anything, and everybody's golf is, like, minimal time investment. You can, like, get get, uh, a good match out of it, like, for, like, you you, you go for half an hour and you, you get a reasonable amount of of uh of stuff done in the game so um it's fun i'm i'm having fun with it but there's not much to say about it except for that it's it's good so what you're saying is everybody's golf is frog fractions four <laughs> you know it comes very close to that it's 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 very strange in some regards like uh it, it has these open open world fields that you can run around on and you can like interact with some things and and some items are like laid down here and there it's, it's a very strange thing the only thing it sounds like this game is missing is a first person shooter segment because it <laughs> sounds like everything else is in this game where you, you just ha- fire yeah. a golf ball cannon <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if this, yeah, if this can, golf game uh, is for everybody, why don't I have it? Um, you can have it. It's it's for everybody, but it's for money. So it's like, it. um, yeah, it's like candy. Everybody can buy candy, but if you don't have money, then no candy for you. I'm sorry, Banner. Also, Banner Thief is a Kingdom Hearts nobody. So <laughs> there, you there you go, Banner. You Some that, harsh, harsh have, words. You need to find your heart in order to be somebody. I'm sorry, Banner. I think Ninja just spelled it out for you here. I'm shaking so. my head. <laughs> it, plays, it plays really well to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> you have to brush your head against the microphone for it. So this is a, you need to hear it scrape. Yes. This is a pretty 
like this is a franchise, right? That they've been yes, everybody's for a while. golf. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good franchise. It, uh, every every um, uh, every game in the franchise had uh, had something interesting going for it. This is a more open version of of these games, and yeah. like as I said, it's really cool to have like so many customization options. Uh, like for your go- for your like clothes, uh, like there's some crazy ways to customize your your you know your model, and like uh, you can have some crazy. Uh, but there's some microtransactions in the game. That's the only bad thing about it. But it's mostly for like cosmetic stuff. So I I don't give a shit. Um, you yeah, know what? And, I... Uh, I... Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, please, please. Uh, I just want to say I, I have yet to try online battle because I wanted to get good at the game before I, I descend into you know, online competition. Okay, so the reason I the reason I didn't know this was a franchise, I'm looking this up right now, is because yeah. in North America it's called Hot Shots Golf up until yeah the latest release, so it's called Everybody's Golf. Wait, um, it's this is Hot Shots Golf? Yeah, yeah it's, it's called Everybody's Golf called... in Europe. Yeah. Where and Japan, wow. bad is. Yeah. I didn't know there was a new Hot Shots Golf. Yeah, yeah I might awesome. actually buy that because yeah, I love really Hot Shots Golf. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> you should buy it. Like if you, even if you don't like golf, it's it's as simple as Mario Golf. Yeah, but it it has just a little bit more depth when you're if you're looking for it, more depth than Mario Golf. So I I'd recommend you check it out if you'll Yeah. If I'll never play like the online cuz I still don't even have PSN, but I'll yeah. I'll play that shit like Yeah. Okay. I'd wait for like I, I I'm a fan, so I bought it, but if you if you ever see it on like a sale, I I think you should go for it. Yeah, I might put that on my list. Too bad they're yeah. like Sony exclusive, but sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had this confused for a second with Golf Story, which isn't even out yet. <laughs> no, I don't that, have no it, idea what Golf Story is. Is that anything like that fishing game that, that's supposed to be like a first-person whatever, like fishing world or something? Oh, it's, it's a sequel like to a, Her Story. It's an that's... RP. It's, um, I wish it were like Her Story because I really like that game. It's actually uh-huh. like it's an RPG where instead of combat, you golf. Is it like uh, that MMO golf that was out a few years ago? I don't think so. It's this is more like pixelish art. Like it looks like Stardew Valley. MMO golf? Yes, what? there was the an MMO, MMO golf game from like four or five years ago. It was called like... Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was the world just a giant golf course or something? Be great. Like, what? Oh, winning MMO putt? golf? Are there Wait, no, that's still in beta right now? It's called. There's a there's an MMO called Winning Putt. But I don't think it's no. Out. It's not that. It's like Panya Golf or something. Panya. Okay, Panya. I found that. Yeah. yeah Panya is you, you a 3D reach, golf themed. You got to you got to reach level fifty to unlock a golf cart. <laughs> yeah. It's your okay. Mom. I I go to the website for this, and the first thing I see is um is a bikini waifu. Uh, like how did that? Well, that's that's, a, exactly that's a game for me. <laughs> that's exactly how gaming marketing works. Me and Banner have a purple right now. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's also been shut down. Aww, oh God shit. damn it! <laughs> None of these people. Why? Okay, I'm going on the official website now. There's this. Uh, there are two girls dressed in gothic Lolita outfits. Which makes no sense, because that's not what you golf in. Nope. Yeah. Oh, that's where we're, we're finding my, fault with this? 
<laughs> I I have my uh, gothic Lolita outfit ready for uh, for the golf course this weekend. So if anyone wants to join me in there, <laughs> I mean, there's also gothic a boy Lolita who's outfit. also in sort of a gothic butler-ish outfit. I don't really. No, know how to I have my it. gothic Lolita outfit. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, this is. I feel more comfortable in that one. Yeah. In any case, Panga has <laughs> been shut down. It's no longer operating. So right. I guess you're gonna have to put all your golf MMO hopes in winning putt. Whenever it comes no. out, rip in peace. Nah, yeah, just just <laughs> buy everybody's golf, please. <laughs> don't don't do any of that. <laughs> or wait for Golf Story to come out, which yeah, has Golf no real, Story, which I don't think has any real golf in it. But we'll see how yeah. that turns out. Uh, Banner, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a couple of things. I think the big one I've been playing recently would probably be it'd be either a cross between Death Cargo. Like a, which is a PC, it's a PC fighting game that was technically never released. Right. It, is a, it is a Russian. It is from a company that specializes in ultra gory, low budget horror films. And this game was originally announced. They said it was coming out. It was coming out, and then quietly just kind of pulled it. They said they'd said nothing about it. It is an FMV fighting game with like proper ripped FMV sprites and everything, based in a in a in a in a futuristic world in which like crazy monsters are being used to kill each other and you play a guy who had some of them released some death cargo was stranded on on overcrowded overpopulated earth and you have to go and get them back by murdering them i have no idea what you just said yeah it's it's a weird game like i said it was officially never released the company is apparently so embarrassed by it that they that they came out to the people who pre-ordered and said, no, we're going to release a real game. It's going to come out in 2017. It's called Gore Breaker. Yeah. We promise it'll be better. Is Gore it a, a side-scroller brawler kind of like Double oh, it Dragon? Is a, it is a fighting Ooh. game. Yep. Okay. Oh, it's, a, it's a one-on-one fighting game. Fighting game. Oh, I'm looking at GIFs of this right now, and it looks... I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's fucking <laughs> horrible. And, think, and the game you... has fatalities in it, which it you can tell that they were on a massive budget because mm-hmm. all the fatalities are FMVs, and every time they happen, a giant like tube comes down. Because all the fatalities have to take place in the exact same room. Sure. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the game again? Uh, Death, Death Cargo. Cargo. The other Death thing I've been playing that that most people would have actually heard of is The Escapist Two. Oh yeah, that one. Which is a, which is a fun little. Fun little uh, pixel arty kind of game, kind of kind of isometric. You play a person who is trying to break out of prison. Yes. You're trying to have your Shawshank Redemption moment. Like it, it's got a lo- it's got a lot more mechanical depth than the first one, which I thought was a little lacking. It's, a, it's much better. You can you can kind of move between floors now. You can there's a lot more options you have available to you. The one hang up I kind of have about it is that it's it gives you way too much freedom, like far more than an actual prison would. So it never quite feels satisfying when i'm able to break oh, uh, out of the routines because on, okay so on what level you are right now which level? i'm on the i'm on a level where i'm on a train driving to the prison and i am told that once i get to the prison i will not get out so i need to escape from this train right uh, i've heard that like later levels have a little bit more are a little bit more strict yeah so, I, I can see yeah. like you have to play the, the game to unlock all but i i can tell the last level is like a futuristic prison like lockout featuring guy pierce yeah, it's like face-off prison. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a big face-off prison in space, and it's yeah. yeah it, some of them look pretty crazy. <laughs> face-off prison. Space-off. Yeah. So the game's the game's a lot of fun. It's it's worth picking up. It's I think it's like twenty dollars in GOG. 
you can pick it up for a pretty bit. It's got it's got a lot of stuff there, and you can also play multiplayer. Yeah, weird multiplayer prison escape. Space off would be a good name for a face off sequel. Yes. Yeah, let's do space off in space. Yeah. Who would change Start... their faces though? Yeah. Well, this time we use uh we use the kid that uh-huh. was left oh. over from okay. the uh from the first movie. So the kid that was like uh. Nicholas Cage's kid, but he got adopted yeah. by yeah. He'll be the one that has his face taken off, yeah. by somebody else. I can't remember who other mm. who else would it be. Mm. I mean, I, if we, John Travolta again. Oh God! I mean, if they <laughs> I don't making, want his face. I don't want his face. If they were making Face Off again, it would be Sam Worthington and Jai Courtney. Mm, that's, oh, how same guy. Tell when something happens. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like Prison Break, but it would Face Off. Um. See, I only know Face Off is that uh, Sci-Fi Network makeup show. Oh, that. which is a really good show. <laughs> yes. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah they, they the do name. some crazy shit in that. Mm. All right, so uh, Ninja, what have you been playing? Well, uh, as far as what I've been playing, actually, hasn't been too much. Like I've been tooling around in Absolver because I actually beat the main game so i'm just going around trying to get moves for the stagger style it's all super uh, cool i yeah, looks uh, cool how how much yeah, it, it took you to how how long uh, it? i played that game for 24 hours over a three-day weekend so got that done wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. uh and then uh i've been working on a little project because i'm trying to do a little twitch streamy thing for my mm-hmm. birthday on rabbit mm-hmm. so i'm going to play uh like the original NES TMNT. Oh, so cool. I'm planning I'm to do sorry. that. But <laughs> yeah, I know on my birthday, I'm going to torture myself. But nice. uh, right. the, main thing, the main thing I've been doing is just like basically absorbing as much information as I can on Marvel Infinite because that comes out next week. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's not looking very hot for me. Like, it's see, not... that's that's the thing. I am a lab rat when it comes to fighting games. Mm-hmm. So I see the mechanics, mm-hmm. regardless of how bad the game may look, mm-hmm. and regardless of what everybody might think of that roster, because I, I have some problems, I have some major problems with that roster, because there's mm-hmm. at least about five people that should not even be there. Chris, and like X-Men Spencer. missing. Like yeah, there's X Men missing, but I understand that part. Yeah, yeah, I get it. That's, I get it. The, that's been an narrative for yeah, for yeah, over yeah. a year now. So yeah, it's but a bummer though. There's there's literally people on the Capcom side that should not be there. But who would you put on the Capcom side? Like, did, uh, there's well, you not could, much shit you could, on. A, you could replace Chris with mm-hmm. Leon and get yeah, rid of Frank West be. because of that. You could yeah. get rid of Arthur, and if you still want to stay with the Ghouls and Ghosts. You could go with uh, Maximo instead, or you could do something else. I mean, Arthur is more recognizable than Maximo. Yeah, but we had Arthur before, and he still sucked. Ah, yeah. So if they had Maximo, Maximo would at least be interesting because he has a better moveset. But I just think Capcom has just so, like, it's limited. Like, there's not that much. It really is. (laughs) Because there's a Shora that's still missing. He never got in. There's okay. Gene Godhand that never got in. Mm. There's a whole bunch of people that still haven't made their way in. They have yeah. characters from but freaking they won... Okami they could have thrown in. That's true, and they did Okami last time. They did Amaterasu, yeah, but they still have a couple other characters that they could have oh. used. I don't know. So they want to be recognized. If you're, right in, now? If, if you're throwing in a Monster Hunter, 
Okay, <laughs> you have, well, you have yeah. other things you can use. Yeah, well, I'm no. looking at this roster right now, and I recognize all of Marvel's characters except for one. Mm-hmm. I recognize less than half of Capcom's characters. Right. Okay, so it yeah, not matter which, not, not which one you do, do not recognize. This would be fun. Which ones Marvel? do you not recognize? Like uh, from on the Marvel Cap- side or the Capcom side? The Capcom side. The ones I it'll be faster than the ones I do recognize. Uh, okay. Chris Redfield, Chun Li, yeah. Dante, Frank West, Mega Man uh-huh. X, and Ryu. Right. Okay. So it wouldn't matter if you replaced some of them mm-hmm. with people you don't, you don't know. Zero. Wait, what's Zero from? Oh, Mega, so Man Mega Man X. I've never played a Mega, Mega Man. Man game. Zero is not in that oh. game. They have Mega Man X in there. No, yeah, it's, Mega it's Man showing X. both on um. The Wikipedia roster. I is think it? you, it's a yeah, skin. Yeah, yeah. It's a skin change. One, zero and X. You can you can pick a skin. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need zero at all. But whatever. Whatever is a skin change. Um, yeah, skin changes uh, are are really easy for for fighting games, right? Yeah. Like palette swaps. Well, the thing is, they already labor. technically did the opposite in Marvel Three, because mm-hmm. they had zero skin change in the Mega Man X. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so one second, you, Merv, you don't recognize any of the Resident Evil characters, any of that shit. I've never played a Resident Evil game. Oh, it's I, so sad. You haven't lived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't played some of the worst reviewed games in the past few years. Oh, four is oh, okay. Come on, seven is seven is good. I've heard one four is, four is one of the one of the most critically acclaimed games of all time. It's, okay, it's fair good. enough. Five and six are the are the shit. Yeah, yeah, five, five and, and six. Are, Five, five is yeah, not five terrible. Six is awful. Six blows. Yeah. Six is the worst. I, I still can't agree that five is not terrible because that was horrible too. I mean, seven, it, seven is better than five or six. I had, some really good times with, I had some good times with five because I was playing with my brother and we had yeah, some it, fun. Yeah, it's but. a game that works well in co-op and does not yeah. hold up at single player because it yeah. because it feels the world feels kind of empty. Yes, and, and six I, doesn't even hold up in co-op. So, and I, I think it's kind of ridiculous to have a Resident Evil game be multiplayer, because that's not kind of the point. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's like that's but, like when they made the that's like when they made the Alone in the Dark multiplayer, because that kind of even undoes the name of the game of being yeah, Alone in the Dark. Yeah, it's it's their it's their acknowledgement that they weren't weren't even trying to scare anymore. They were just trying to make a yeah. fun action game. Yeah, yes, they're just yes, trying yes. to shoot things now. Yeah, yeah, like seven is yeah. seven is them returning to horror, and seven works yeah. extremely well. It's one of my favorite games of the year so far. Oh yeah, like the I fourth one was it. so ridiculous in its action sequences. Like yeah, whatever. But I think you can I think you can have some of that balance, right? You um, you mostly go for tension, but then yeah. you can release it every now and then with you know a, a big action set piece. Yeah, with right. the big oh, action set piece where you where you shoot an old man who is doing donuts in his mo- muscle car in the garage. <laughs> yeah, that was excellent. That was after, pretty good. after he basically crashed through every wall of his house to get to you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just destroying his own house to kill you. What, a, yeah. what an asshole. Yeah, kind of an also, asshole. What an idiot. Now he, has no, now he has no place to live. He doesn't well, care. That place was a mess anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I don't getting even back. Want to imagine when the last time anyone took a broom to that house. Nah, I don't think anyone ever. No. Ever Have you ever played a horror game time. in a clean location? That would be a uh, cube. <laughs> I just <laughs> movie, sorry. I like, play I a cube game. Wait, that puzzle game? Yeah, I play a cube game. What's up, people? Why aren't we getting a cube game? That would be because cool. somebody doesn't have the rights. But anyway, uh, the, getting... Okay, I can buy the rights. Oh, I thought you were talking about the puzzle $5. game. Q U B E. Okay, that's, getting back to, to yeah. whatever. Yeah, getting that's back to, to Marvel Infinite. Yeah. yeah. Uh, see, as far as 
all, like half of those characters that Merv doesn't know, neither does most of the people that are playing this game anyway. Yeah. And even the people that play fighting games probably won't care mm-hmm. like if they don't know those characters as long as they play interesting. Because that's how that's how Marvel's always worked. Like they yeah. brought back they brought in Captain Commando and even though some people had played like the Captain Commando arcade game, most people were like, who? Or they brought in uh, Hayato from Star Gladiator, and who's fucking played that game? Yeah. So, There's a game called Star Gladiator. Yes, there is. That game is basically Star Wars. But mm. So the, I'm looking at the roster on Wikipedia, and it's listing, a, I think, a very different roster. Because I have three people from Mega Man X, because Sigma's in there too. And yes, Sigma I, I is w- in the game. He's. I wouldn't have expected actually... that many Mega Man characters from Capcom, considering how much they hate the franchise. But <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, now they're just. Uh... But uh, Sigma is half of the boss too, so he's hmm. a playable character. And then the primary boss of the of the game is Ultron Sigma, which is a combination of Ultron and Sigma. I think at this point uh, they're right. just sticking Mega Man characters in there to to stick it to KG and Afune. Yeah, I because I, I heard they've been working on a new Mega Man game after uh, after uh, Mighty Number no. Nine failed. So that I wouldn't be surprised. That, that, that's definitely to stick it to Inafune. Yeah. yeah, they love to hate the franchise. Let's be honest. Yeah, they, they do. Yeah, but right, so, but they they also had to make up for the last Marvel game where they had no Mega Man and everybody said. Hey, how about you guys actually put Mega Man in this game? And then they went and put the uh, they put the Days of Future Past stage where you know you you know the really really famous Days of Future Past cover where they have the wanted poster and it shows you know this one's been captured, this one's deceased, this one's been captured, and all that. I think so. Of, yeah. Of all the characters that were on that poster, Mega Man was the one that was still at large, and they okay. still didn't put him in the game. Wow. <laughs> Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> you don't but, have to do everything you say you will do. No, of course not. But still, yeah. it's it's still dumb that lots of people were asking for that character. And they were just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Here, uh, we're going to give you, uh, what was it? We're going to give you, like, fucking Doctor Strange. Which, I mean, he wound up being a good character, I, but nobody... Hey, man, I like Doctor Strange. Like, I like that character. He he wasn't he wasn't a character that everybody was big on until they actually got their hands on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes uh, characters in fighting games, they develop followings just because they're so much fun to play. Not yeah. Because people yeah. are really anticipating them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I can't that's... imagine many people anticipated Dormammu showing up in a game. Yeah, and then so they he's got a the... pretty low tier Marvel character until the movie. <laughs> well, here's yeah. the thing: that guy when he came out, I, I would say that that Ultimate Marvel or Marvel Three did a lot more for Dormammu than the than uh before the Doctor Strange movie came out because mm. Do- Dormammu is like a top two top tier character in Marvel Three, mm. so. If you put that guy on a team with a good set of like other characters, you can wreck face across like an entire bracket, just murking people all day. Hmm. So, like a lot of people that play fighting games are like, "Oh, we're doing Doctor Strange. Dormammu is there. I'm in." So, all right. Yeah. I, so um, he's developed a following. Yeah, yeah, he's developed a following as a fighting game character, which eventually went into you know the Doctor Strange thing. But yeah. Well, um, now we've talked about Dormammu at length. Yes, um, 
Dr. Yeah, Mike, what have you been playing? Well, what I'm waiting to play is Total War Warhammer 2, which comes out at the end of the month, because the first mm-hmm. game was amazing last year. Mm-hmm. And I was actually just replaying that recently. But in the meantime, I've been playing uh, Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn, oh, which was the that? old Wii, Wii game. I right. played it on the Wii when it first came out. I realized, eh, I haven't played it in a while. I've been playing the Fire Emblem Heroes mobile game. It kind of got me in the kick to pull out the old stuff again. And it's actually right. much better than I even remembered. It's, <laughs> and it's I definitely thought it was good better when it first than, came out. It's definitely better than Heroes, <laughs> Which isn't it? Which isn't great. That's well, the mean, that's the Musu one, isn't it? Warriors is the Musu one. Oh, yeah, okay. Warriors, yeah, Warriors, Heroes yeah. is the mobile game, which oh, is decent yeah. for a mobile game. Yeah, I but guess that's so. That's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, it's free. It's a time killer. <laughs> okay, it, fair enough. In more comparative enough. terms, it's better than um the Fates trilogy, which came out last year. I, I haven't I haven't played that because I heard a lot of different things about it. It's, not all of them positive. Yeah, it starts good, and then it, the story just goes to hell. Splitting into three games is not a good idea. The story yeah. can't rectify itself in any of the three games. Yeah. Echoes, which I actually just finished too, is a pretty good Fire Emblem game. What's your favorite people, Fire Emblem? Uh, probably Radiant Dawn, actually. I haven't played all of them, but I think Radiant Dawn is the best story. Hmm. And the best uh, overall gameplay. And the uh, 3DS one with the... Um, Awakening? Uh, yeah, Awakening. How, how about that one? Awakening's good. I'd have to replay it uh, to give you a direct comparison since it's been a few years. Because it I played be Between that Awakening one and... and Radiant Dawn. <laughs> yeah, I, I really liked Awakening. It was like a fantastic game. Like uh, I spent a lot of time in that game. And that's the big difference. Radiant Dawn, you don't have that map to wander around it's very straightforward mission to mission so mm. actually i'm only 12 or 15 hours in but i'm like almost halfway through the game awakening it's like 40 50 hours to get through the game depending oh. on how many of those paralogs you do yeah yeah games a lot of these tactical rpgs jrpgs can take forever to to play through um i'm at the, I've passed the 115 hour mark in Persona 5, and I'm still not done with that game. Well, uh, how is that possible? I finished that game in 90 hours, and I finished Fire Emblem Awakening in like 30. I don't know. It's I, I'm maybe I just maybe skipping a lot of content, but uh, I am not. When I first not... did um, Awakening, I decided I was going to do it on hard mode on classic. So whenever somebody died, I had to restart the mission and. There were a few missions I refused to let people die on. Ah, okay. Oh, I just, yeah, so you got to slow play it. Yeah, yeah. so this yeah. time I around, just I go. just... I don't have casual mode as an option, so I just set it to easy. I'm just going to blitz it because I beat it before, and I only have a week until Total War comes out. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, Mary, when you will finish the goddamn game? Like, Persona 5 isn't like... It's it's not a game you should play one-to-one. It shouldn't t- take you a year to play that game. Well, in in all well, in his defense, yeah. Well, actually, you don't have near automata to worry about now anymore because you finished that. I so there's no excuse. Ages ago, I finished that really quick too. Yeah. (laughs) So what's up? It's it's just the game that I slow play in the background while I'm taking care of other games. Like I have, um, I have three other games on the go right now. I have Mario Rabbids, 
I got West of Loathing on PC and also oh, yeah. Binary Domain on PC. I have a question okay. that might be anathema to people who are really into JRPGs, but do those games need to always be over 100 hours long? No. They really don't. No. Um, yeah. There's some good ones that are, you know, 40, 50 hours. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 not really that long unless you do everything. And then if it's a really, really good RPG, you'll feel like doing everything. But yeah. if it's just like something where it's like, eh, it's decent, then maybe not. Like yeah, the Disgaea like, games shouldn't take hundreds of hours to do, but well, for some reason, goddamn they just yeah, <laughs> always do that item yeah. world, and then you're in there for 50 hours, so you got, yeah. like, a plus one bonus for 50 hours of work. Yep, yeah. and I haven't finished a single one of them, even though I own the first two. I know, I, I finished this guy, yeah. It's like you said, like, if you want to blaze through the story, you can. It's like with uh, open world games, like The Witcher. You can, like, really get into it and be like, oh, I'm on my 200th hour. Or you can be like, oh, yeah, I played it for 30 hours, and I'm done. Yeah, beat the yeah. main story. Also, yeah. Persona games are just legendarily long. Yeah, Other I wish they didn't do that. Oh, yeah, God. They're they're a little too long. I, yeah. I played Tales of Hysteria a couple years ago. That was 55 hours. Uh, yeah. Digimon Story is about 40 hours. So Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I think, was all of 60, and that's doing most all the side stuff. Yeah. yeah. Outside of Persona, I, I think you're going to run into Bastuda um, RPGs like... Fallout and Witcher are going to be much longer than any JRPGs coming out right now. Yeah, but that's yeah. if you do everything in those games. And the, and especially for for the recent Fallout, maybe it's not worth doing everything. <laughs> yeah, I skipped most of the crafting bullshit because that was terrible. I didn't even finish Fallout 4. I just kind of fucked around for 30 hours and I said, nah. But I wasn't, I wasn't interested in the main story. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, actually, the, everything in that game was kind of boring to me. Like I bought it. The DLCs were better. I might be talking about this again in our next segment. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay let's, we let's yeah, probably speaking of, our, speaking you know, of our next segment. Yeah, this is a nice segue. Yeah, Vanity just up on the segue. <laughs> just segue noise. Yes. Um, hey, you guessed it. Nice. I'm I'm pretty good at that. Eh? <laughs> Okay, let's, let's uh, we're do gonna, it. We're going to play Video Game Doctor now. So, I, I always don't like Zip. saying the phrase play doctor because that means something else. But anyway, uh, let's gloss over that. And I've actually heard it called armchair CEO, but okay. Armchair CEO, let's do that. <laughs> My name is let's call armchair that. CEO. Armchair, we're going to be backseat developers. That's what we're going to be today. <laughs> um, so, the, the inspiration for this segment is that there are a lot of games that have come out um, over the years where they're not totally awful, they're not irredeemable trash, but they are bad to mediocre. And it's often because of some... Like, sometimes games are bad to mediocre because they're riddled with bugs, but often it's because they made some what we consider poor choices uh, in development that led to... um, the game not being as good as it could have been. So poor mechanical choices, poor story choices. Maybe they used the wrong art style. There are lots of things they could have done better. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a bunch of games that we think we could fix if we were allowed to be backseat developers. So the first game that I wanted to bring up, because this is the game that was actually the inspiration for this segment, Ukulele. Hmm. 
Did any of you guys play ukulele? I no. honestly nope. forgot that game existed, which yeah. is sad. Yeah, it's it's a sad fate for what was supposed to be the return of the rare style collected on platformer. And a lot of people don't like that style of game very much, uh, and that's fair. But it was not well received when it came out. I think you're like the only defender of it I heard. <laughs> I'm not even much of a defender. I think it has some good parts. I I, I, I would say the, overall the disappointment. I think you're the only person that I know that is, has played this game to completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's un- that's unfortunate because there are some there are some good bits of it, mm-hmm. but um, it does have a lot of problems. So one of the big problems with this game is the level design. So you guys, how many of you guys have played Mario sixty four? Yes, is this rhetorical. Who would, who would be like, I don't want to play that trash. Hey, I actually shit. haven't I haven't played Mario 64. That's oh, there fine. You go. But, okay. We found but one! Are... <laughs> Burn him! Uh, no, let's not do that. Although is murder. I was safe at the end of the podcast. I was, I was too busy playing the popular console that year. <laughs> oh, that's oh, oh, I'm gonna say, I'm PlayStation gonna... Burn! <laughs> Holy shit. I'm going to agree with Ninja. In any case, um, you guys played Mario 64. One of the interesting things about Mario 64 is when you play it and you look at the levels, with the exception of a couple of them, you know exactly where you need to go when you enter the level. Yeah. Right? The landscape is built in a way that directs the player sort of around the map to the various challenges that you need to complete. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah, it's smart level design. Even... I know people don't like this game very much, but DK64 does this as well. And that I game, think, the level... I think, like, sorry, I'm going to cut in, but I'd say that all Nintendo games actually are really good at this, like, including The Last Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, it uh, always, like, gets you... The map, geometry of the map is always, like, you have yeah. to go here, and you exactly know where, where exactly. everything is. The map well, Miyamoto has always been a point of his level designs in teaching the players as they go. It's always been a big philosophy of his since the NES days. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how much of that was in Banjo-Kazooie, though. Well, actually, yeah, so... I, I heard somebody talk about this in comparison to Banjo-Kazooie, and one of the things that they mentioned was the uh, the placement for the items that you collect actually leads you to the paths. because yeah, that's they're exactly the point right I was going to bring up. Yeah, right, yeah. that DK sixty four and Banjo Kazooie, they don't exactly do it with the landscape; they do it with collectibles. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you follow this string of collectibles, it'll lead you to the challenge that will give you the next uh, Jiggy or the next uh, Golden Banana. Mm-hmm. Right, ukulele doesn't do that. <laughs> right, ukulele, what it does is it has these collectibles, these I think quills or feathers, I forget what they're called, uh, that you have to collect. But they're arranged sort of haphazardly on the map. Like there'll be a bunch of three there that don't lead to anything, or a bunch of five there that don't lead to anything. So you end up having to go collect the quills, and it's almost sort of separate from collecting what are called the pages, which are this game's version of stars or golden bananas, what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you kind of have to go out of your way to collect the quills, and it's separate from collecting the pages. So there's that collectible level design. Also, the landscape doesn't lead you to um, where you need to go. So 
And it becomes a problem because the areas of the these maps are gigantic, right? So the areas of the different maps aren't very distinct from each other. So one part of the tropical volcano world looks exactly like every other part of the tropical volcano world. It's really hard to get around or know where you are because there's mm-hmm. no like map that you can just bring up. Mm. So yeah, that was to me the big problem with the ukulele. And if I That's... were to fix it, I wouldn't mm-hmm. really mess with the mechanics. I would scrap some of the level design and I would make the levels construct in such a way that the different areas of each level were distinct from each other yeah. and I'd rearrange the collectibles to lead people to the pages. I I really I really thought we moved on from this. Like during the nineties and the aughts, um, when I played video games I was always frustrated. So like, where am I supposed to go? Like they constantly were like I was constantly confused about what uh, what exactly uh, is the uh, objective and and such like a lot of action games a lot of RPGs it's like oh I don't know maybe I should talk to everyone in RPGs maybe I should sleep or I don't know and in action games are like trying to like um, all kinds of things to just like move on from where I'm at even like trying to bug through the you know uh, through the walls and trying to figure shit out because it's it's like it's like I thought like um, um, Valve uh, figured this shit out perfectly with even if their level design is not great maybe you should just put a light you know a light somewhere like ref reflector on on some kind of um, objective and hey you should go there and yeah like there there's simple solutions to these problems and it's weird that we're still doing this huh? it's it's strange that there are a lot yeah you're right it's strange that there are a lot of games that are bad at telling you what to do yeah. and you think this is a solved problem and you can go the other way and just constantly sort of funnel players down a path um and make them feel like they have no liberty yeah, but I think it's a difference end, between smart yeah. desi- smart level design and a big arrow that just pointing something. I well, I I actually do recognize that part of the problem is there's this pushback on tutorialism in video games, and you know being told, hey, you need to go here, from like, uh, not really half or like most of the people that play but enough to where that gets in the heads of developers. Mm-hmm. And I think when I, when I heard that they were trying to make, uh, when they were making ukulele, they were trying to go back to that classic aspect of, of like Banjo-Kazooie, where you weren't necessarily told exactly how to get to where you need to go. You were told what your destination was, but you had to still go and explore and find it. And that's for like a certain caliber of player and i understand that in some instances in some games i would rather have that than have like navi go hey listen Mm -hmm. and try to pull my ear in a a certain direction but there's some people that want to have a direct piece of information that says hey here's your objective go directly here or you can go to the side if you like but still here's this line that tells you go here um, so, I, I think it doesn't have to be like a direct objective. I think like there's a middle ground. Like 
oh, we're going to like design everything to just kind of instinctly, you will know more or less where it leads you, even though it doesn't exactly spell it out, you know? But uh, yeah, I hate those big arrows in like Fallout games and Skyrim games and stupid stuff like that. I, I, I think it like really... <clears throat> Uh, doesn't allow you to explore everything. Like it yeah, just it, tells you where everything is. And I think part of that is based on what type of game you're making. Because mm-hmm. like in Fallout, you want to walk around and find the areas. I mean, it's literally part of the mechanics of the game where you get experience when you find a new location. Yeah. So that's one of those games where it's like, okay, I'm just going to walk around, find the spot, have it show up on the map. And then now that I have it on the map, sure, let's go ahead and use that as a fast track, a fast travel area. But mm-hmm. I found it first, so that's that's one thing that 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 type of uh, that type of like level design works. But you know, for some for some areas, like say ukulele with the way they've done it, you need a little bit more help in some instances because you're just walking around in circles, especially if everything looks samey and you can't really figure out any landmarks yeah yeah i think there's um what was i trying to say there's a sort of pull to to making games um like as you're saying tutorialize too much and maybe direct you too much where to go but like the old platformers were actually pretty good about sort of directing you where to go or telling or um or making you want to go in a certain direction without explicitly telling you like even the easiest thing they would do like dk64 would do this is if it wanted you to go somewhere it pull out it'll pull out for a second to a mini cutscene, show you it show you where you should go and then give control back to you without mm-hmm. explicitly telling you you should go to that temple yeah, or right. you should go to that structure and ukulele just doesn't do that at all so yeah. you're really confused about where you need to go and what you should be doing um, there's a problem where if you give somebody too much freedom and no instructions, but tell them they have an objective to complete, they're not going to be able to to fill in those blanks. You need to give some <laughs> guidance. This is a good skeleton. social commentary, Merv, about the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna do uh, Merv's uh, Merv's like philosophy of video yes. games podcast next week yes. that, <laughs> it's a direct my philosophy of video games podcast i think this goes sort of coming through and how i think video games should be designed um, <laughs> it's interesting for us to have this conversation just a week or so after that controversy around that one guy who couldn't play cuphead to save his life <laughs> I, I didn't oh, was this that. one of those video game journalists that decided to rate it a zero because so, they couldn't actually get out the first stage? So he released. I can't. I have to look this up. But a, but a video game journalist released a video of him of basically saying twenty six minutes in hell with Cuphead, and it was and the video was about no joke ten minutes of him failing to get across a ledge in the tutorial area because he was unable to read the directions which are written right above the character's head. <laughs> Didn't he do, put it out as sort of comedy? Like it was he intentionally did, bad play. And then he did because he was kind of he was kind of making fun of himself. And then all the sorts of wrong people to be making to to be oh. making conversation about that took it up and said, yeah. "Video game journalists can't play games. But why they, do you trust them?" But the mm. thing is, the reason why that happened is there are literally video game journalists that will rate your game really, really low because they don't know how to play it. 
And there's I like mean, especially, it has happened once or twice, but no, I don't think it's like a trend. No, it is, especially with fighting games. There's oh, a lot games. of people yeah, that okay. when they when they I go mean, and play fighting games, they will rate them lower than say someone who actually has some experience playing fighting games. Okay, Ninja, so, but from from another perspective, there 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 also needs to be these people that are not experts at fighting games to tell people that are not good at fighting games and they maybe want to learn how user friendly it is for beginner players. You know, right? If, if and it's and like. I'm, and there have been some games where they have been user friendly, where they've had, you know, they have actual legit tutorials in them and they have actual legit things that allow like newer casual players to get in. And they were still rated like one to two points lower than what the actual regular ratings were. And it's a it's a constant trend for for at least those games. And I've seen it on some other games where they're a bit harder, like even uh, even Dark Souls has, has that problem. Where mm-hmm. Dark Souls is a is a much harder game than usual, and you see, you know, certain people are rated, you know, this game's a six or a seven. Meanwhile, you'll have people that are, you know, known for playing those types of games that will rate them, and they'll go, okay, this is a eight or a nine. But and maybe maybe it is also that these people that are used to these kind of games are drawing more enjoyment from them, whereas be- the beginners or people that are just not used to them, like, get I mean, around to playing them, it, and they're like, it, not maybe not for me. It could be, but the, the thing is, what I, what I think needs to happen on that level is the fact that there needs to be multiple journalists mm-hmm. scoring a game so that we get opinions. Like, take the with two model? <laughs> I think um, we should just throw out the ten point system. Like, well, that's what I mean, logical that, did that just does, for this reason. That does mm-hmm. still kind of that still does kind of sell the point when you have like something that says, "Okay, this is a rating of the game," mm-hmm. because sometimes you want to look at it and be like, "Okay, I can see it compared to like just looking at that rating, you can go, okay, compared to X Y Z game that was rated about like this. Okay, I could see myself getting about this level of enjoyment." out of this mm-hmm. game just by looking at that score. So mm-hmm. I still think the scores are valid. My thing is there needs to be like multiple scores, mm-hmm. like say get three people, somebody who doesn't really play the game that much, somebody that maybe plays that genre casually, and maybe somebody that's more hardcore about that game. That way you, so, whatever I mean, isn't this, into, what, this is what Famitsu out. does, I think in Japan, right? They get four reviewers for each game. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think we sort of have this in the aggregate from, reading different review outlets and aggregating through Metacritic, right? So yeah. there are going to be reviewers at one out, a reviewer at one outlet who's really familiar with the game. There might be a reviewer at another outlet who's not super familiar with that genre. Yeah. And I think you get that spectrum because there are so many different video game sites out there. Guys, what were we talking about? We were talking uh, about ukulele. So uh, we, we start, first we're trying to fix video games. Now we're trying to fix video game journalism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's, let's just doctor all of it. Yeah, I say we're, take we're a chainsaw do- we're doctors to it. Of everything. Yeah, we're gonna take yeah. a chainsaw to it and then put a machine gun on it. Uh, oh no! <laughs> I, I see where this is machine going. Machine gun journalism. Oh uh, yeah. Like yeah. No, no, no. Let's get back to fixing games. Weren't so, there uh, some reviews of Near Autom- Automata where it became clear that the uh, reviewer had not seen any of the other endings? There was one. Um, I think it was in. Um, forget. I think it might have been in. In it was in some newspaper. Yeah, they have where, they have a limited amount of time to play these games anyway, so he probably didn't have time to even get to another ending. 
Who the hell is yeah, trusting they don't a video game a. review in a newspaper? That's like the last place I would a video game review. <laughs> might have been the Wall Street Journal. I forget. I'll I'll dig it up if I can. Um, but yeah, there there are some reviewers were just like, well, you know, I played to the end of ending A, and to be fair, they didn't like what they'd played through ending A. So would their opinion have changed playing the other two routes? Hard to say. Probably Hard. not. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, because I didn't really like playing 9S compared to, compared to playing 2B. So I could see that not being a a change. It could have. They might have liked 2B's I, gameplay better than 9S. Yeah, exactly. I like 2B's. Yeah, yeah. I like 2B's playthrough more, more than I like yeah. 9S. Her so. and, uh, and uh, what is it? A2. A2. Yeah, yeah that, that kind of happens with Nier. Wasn't there, I think it was IGN, who, who the reviewer gave it a three because he yeah. said at a certain point he couldn't progress any further in the game. Would, and then a lot of people in the review said, you you have screenshots of the game telling you what to do next, you idiot. Yeah. Mm. It, it, and again, it's it's something that does happen more often than it should. <laughs> I believe um, that I was, think, I think um, video games ben, I think should... that was uh, Joystick's review of Nier. Oh, joysticks. Okay. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't think that I don't blame games generalists. Like it's like human being playing a game, right? And then he plays it in in like a bubble because he can't like just just. Well, maybe he can consult a fact, but usually they're played before they come out, right? So there's no fact. Uh, so you should. You're just playing in a bubble, and either the game spells out for you enough for you to like know what you're doing, or you get confused because of the games. It's the game's fault usually, and you get stuck. And then you what? You have to rate the game, and you say like, "Well, it sucked for me because it didn't tell me what to do." Well, I mean, yeah. this isn't this isn't really a sinuous sacrifice, Jim Sterling issue. But... <laughs> yeah. So what but... exactly happened there? I didn't follow okay. that whole controversy. Well, I know he he couldn't beat part of the game, so he just gave up. Well, like here's that. what happened. Uh, he was in an area where it's literally a a giant dark pit, yeah. And you have to actually light torches, and mm-hmm. because of the fact that the game didn't lead him to one of the torches, he wound up in the dark pit, not being able to find out where he's supposed to go. So mm-hmm. he wandered around for a while, and then eventually the game auto saved because he progressed, which mm-hmm. it should never have done. And now he's stuck in a dark pit where he cannot find, like, the way back or the way back to the torches that he needs to light. Mm-hmm. And he got stuck. And that's a that's a QA error that technically should have been found. Yeah. Because yeah. one of the things that uh, – and granted, I, I don't have experience in QA, but I do – uh, I do watch the Super Best Friends, where literally most of that crew have a background in QA. Yeah, and he and, and they, one of one of the one of the main guys started his own side project where he, act, where he literally plays games he QA'd back when yeah. he was a tester and talks right. about all the bugs he found. Right, uh, the bug report. But uh, yeah, they they uh, they talk about how uh, it usually any even when it's a game that they don't that they've never tested. They'll go through the game and just start doing QA, uh, QA things. And one of the things they always say is when you go into a game to QA it, the first thing you do is go for a fail. Mm-hmm. So if you have an objective that needs to be done, what you do is you literally don't do it and try to progress to the game. And if it lets you keep going without doing that objective, you file a bug report. Mm-hmm. And right. that should have been something that was spotted 
from the beginning. I I don't fault Jim for giving it a bad review because of that because that yeah. he, he rates it's his a game breaking bug. Yeah, yeah, he rates yeah. his games based on what it is now, not what it will be when they patch it. Mm-hmm. So he he found a bug that absolutely positively should have been found before it got released. And I would say he was probably a bit harsh by giving it a one. I would say he probably should have split the difference because he said it was uh, at the time it was about a seven for him. I would have said he should have given it a three or a four. But I don't fault him for giving it a bad rating because he played through the game, wasn't given enough information, and yeah. then now he can't finish it. And he had to. And the thing was because it was auto saved, he had to go all the way back to a save from either I think I can't remember if he had to start all over or if he had to uh if he had to go to a save that was like several hours previous to that. Because mm-hmm. there's like the auto save spot and then there's the manual save spot I think. Yeah. I can't remember how that game works. But he said he'd have to backtrack real far just to go back into the game to finish it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, game-breaking bugs have always, like, they ruin my perception of a game whenever I run into one. Yeah. Um, but there's people saying, well, you don't have any right to, to rate it like that because they could fix it. And it's like, that's not the point. <laughs> I mean, he, it's his own website. He can give it a yeah. negative 17 yeah, out of the, 10 if he wants. Yeah, the point, the point is his experience, and he can yeah. rate that as ever he yeah. wants to. But I think he eventually uh, backtracked a bit and, and gave it a like a closer rating to what he what he originally was going to give it, but I would have said, I was like, I'm not going to fault him for that rating. Yeah. Stand ground, man. People were sitting there saying, oh, he threw a hissy fit just because he messed up. I'm like, this isn't an instance of, you know, the somebody that just doesn't know how to play that type of game, where they're, like you said, when they were playing near and you could see screenshots of them being told what to do. It's not that situation. It's literally, it's pretty vague as to what you need to do you walk into a new area, you explore to try to find out what it is, and then you get auto-saved out of actually finding that solution. Yeah. Which, you know, that's that's messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, back to your video game doctoring. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yes. What Segway. are games you guys want to fix? <laughs> I'll, I'll go uh, this time. Sure. Yeah. What do you want to fix, Ninja? Okay, so, uh, let's talk about KOF 14. Let's talk because besides that game looking like hot hot dog water, yeah. because it is the blandest fighting game I've ever seen. Regardless of what you want to say about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, yeah. dear God, KOF 14 looks worse. I, I think it's because but, that team didn't have any experience making 3D models, so they were like possibly, yeah, possibly. But I'm going to skip that. I'm going to forego that because, like I said before, I'm a lab rat, so. I'm going to talk about the mechanics because at the end of the day, that game is bland, like Mm. excessively bland. Mm. And for something that's supposed to be like a three on three team fighter, there should be a bit more to it. And I understand KOF is much simpler than something like, say, Marvel or uh, or like Dragon Ball Fighters or the new Atlas Persona slash uh, Guilty Gear slash everything else we've ever made thrown into it. Yeah, they threw Ruby uh, in there for some reason. Yeah, but uh, but one of the things that, that I really, really, really could not stand about KOF 14 is that auto combos were not an option. Mm. So usually if you played something like, uh, if you played any of the earlier, well, actually all of the Marvel vs. Capcom games, you might even be going all the way back to... Uh, to um, like X-Men versus Street Fighter. 
Mm. Usually when you select the character, you have an option of normal and then auto, where yeah. like certain things are done automatically for you and you get like some easier combos, even though they don't do as, as much damage by just yeah. pressing one button. Mm. And for some reason, there is literally a combo for every single character where all you do is rapidly tap the light button and it goes from several regular hits into a super move. So. And it does it does still minimal damage, but every character has it and there's mm-hmm. no option to turn it off. Uh. So for me, again, I'm a lab rat. I want to learn how to do legit combos. And sometimes mm-hmm. the way to learn to do legit combos is to go ahead and string, you know, your light kicks and your light punches together, which might mean me doing them fast. And if I do them fast, oh, no, I got that auto combo every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's a pain in the ass because it's not it's not an option. You can't turn it off. Uh, and then besides that, there's like it could have been more interesting if they had brought back the striker mechanic that they used to have in like KOF. 2000 or 98 i can't remember which one it was but what they did then was something similar to marvel versus capcom 2 where you would uh you would select your three main fighters and then you would select the fourth one that for a certain amount of times you could call in to do like a a hit so that way they could maybe break up an attack from your uh from your opponent or you could use them to extend a combo or something like that. Kind of similar to like calling in an assist from any of the Marvel games. And that would have broken up some of the monotony. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty much just a one-on-one fighting game. If you think right. about it. It's, it's first to three rounds if, if you just go ahead and think of it like that. Except you get a different character every, uh, every time you lose one. But uh, that would have probably helped with some of the mechanics. And then one of the other things that's kind of more of a nitpick from me is that the inputs are slow. So Oh, that's bad for yeah. a fighting so game. So one of the one of the things I was trying to do cuz I I went into one of the mission modes and they teach you how to do a do super cancels. So you'll cancel from one super move into like say the max super move which is the one that uses like uh the three levels of superpower on your uh on your bar and it's supposed to help do, it's supposed to do more damage. Uh, usually in any other fighting game, like any other fighting game I've ever played that has this type of a mechanic, you want to do those moves as quickly as possible because that plays into the flow of how you actually play the game. There's kind of a rhythm where you go, you know, you do all of your individual, like, uh, regular attacks into your special attacks into your super attack and then if you can cancel from that super to a higher end super or another super you all do them in a specific rhythm where it's pretty quick how you do it I had to find out playing this game that I had to be slow and deliberate when mm. doing those super moves just to get the uh, the cancel to work so I couldn't mm. do them quickly and I couldn't do uh does anybody know what buffering is? Yeah, yeah, I do. Sort yeah, of. Yeah. Okay. For um, the listeners, please explain. Okay. <laughs> well, basically, what buffering is is you do uh, you do a move, and then that move, based on like say where you have the controller at or what button you use, uh, you're able to move the uh, the controls towards the next move. So uh, the easy ex- example is if you play Ryu and Street Fighter. 
He has a very specific combo that's almost in every single game where if you press down and basically any attack button, uh, well, probably not his, uh, his hard punch, but if you press down in an attack button, uh, you can, you'll do like a low hit, but because of the fact that his fireball is down, down forward to forward and then a punch button, you can usually follow up that low hit into a fireball. So you can do down and his medium kick. And then from that down, you can work right over to forward and then press punch. And that flows together to do a combo between those two moves. But you do it quickly. And then in this game, it's like, no, I got to slow down and deliberately hit every single point that I need to hit with the controller first before I can do that extra move. And it's like, I like I literally have owned that game since it came out. I got it in a uh, in a sale where it was buy two get one free, where I bought Final Fantasy 15, Watch Dogs 2, and that game. And I figured Watch Dogs 2 would be the free game because I didn't expect it to be good. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that was KOF 14. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, no. I have not played that game since I got it. Well, I was so, like, I can't yeah. stand this game. I went through the arcade mode once, and I was like, nah. Mm. So to summarize, you'd fix it by speeding up uh, how it responds to your inputs, and you'd um, fix it so that the auto combos don't don't trigger when you don't want them to. Yeah, uh, you can turn them on and off. That would be the best solution, right? Okay. Yeah, the, if you if you were, it, and it only has to be like a little switch in the character select, just like they do in any other type of game like this, because you would select your characters, and it would say auto or no. And you select either auto or no, and then you have the option to use those or not, but right. not make it a a thing that's only on at all. I I don't like it. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it makes sense. So, what else do you guys want to fix? Um, I want to fix Fallout Four. Oh. All right, let's <laughs> fix Fallout let's, Four. Let's go into that. We, oh, yeah, we, this, really might, easy. this might take the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I have two big points with Fallout 4 that feed into each other. One, in Fallout 4, is in, for anybody who's not aware of Fallout 4, Fallout 4 is a series that takes place in a post-apocalypse, in a post-apocalyptic America. Fallout 4 kind of breaks the tradition by introducing a character who was alive before the Great War, which was about 200 years ago in the in the timeline of the games. Mm-hmm. And How is the character he, alive for 200 years? Is it he a is. He was in a Kryn cryostasis against his will. Cryostasis against his will. Hey, 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 hey! Hold on. That was only a he for you. That was a she for me. Oh, uh, that's fair. <laughs> it could be. It could be he or she. It could be yeah. either. It's fair enough. Yeah. And Wait, is it, is it the, your spouse? Yes. Yeah, yes. It's you, you, your wife, and your your son or son, which is very important, which is important, are are basically put into a cryostasis against your will by an evil, evil capitalist corporation who's just experimenting on the people they're they're housing in their vaults. I don't and think you, it's corporations; the government. Uh, Vault no, Vault Tech is a is a corporation. Oh no, you're right. You're right. You're right. But they're cooperating, yeah, with the yeah, government. So, so anyway, two hundred years later, you wake up. Uh, your wife gets sh- your wife shot in the face, or your wife or your husband shot in the face, and the son is gone. And you said, "Man, this really sucks. I should find my son." So you immediately go out into the world. You walk around, and then apart from maybe two or three conversations I had in the game, your character at no point expresses any surprise at what the world has become in the two hundred years since the post since the apocalypse happened. It's the narrative feels so 
disconnected and incomplete because your character is an outsider but doesn't care about anything that's happening in the world. He never questions why roaches are three feet tall. He never questions why there are big green mutants. I, well, you know, he she's open-minded. He never you know, questions why they actually, use no. caps as currency. <laughs> I, actually, no. The, the, the problem with that part <laughs> is one of the plot points that Banner mentioned. <laughs> and the problem and the, that, that continues throughout the whole game where your character is an outsider and he's supposed to, he or she is supposed to be on this big mission to find their son but they are but they are caught but they are constantly being distracted by keys dangling in their face oh go here go here and find this thing go here and do this subquest yeah. go here go to this island for no reason for for no other reason that other than the player might want to do it and not that it has anything to do with saving your son yeah. does so, the does the main character ever express grief that their spouse is dead? Yeah, about, for a short bit. About the first hour, honestly, not really. Would yeah, that, would that she really affect someone? It's literally at the very beginning of the game, and it's even more, it's even optional. So yeah, you don't necessarily yeah. have to do it. You, you have to pick the dialogue options where you're. Maybe they hated they, their spouse. Have you thought so, about that? So uh, you can role you can role play as somebody who. Sort of like their spouse, or role play somebody who hated their spouse. And I don't you even think you, they don't but, even give you that option. But you can't role play somebody that loved their spouse. Yeah, exactly. Fun, fun little side note: I, my alt character it was a lady, and I wanted to make her look badass and post-apocalyptic. But you have to do the character selection when you're still in the in the supposedly good, clean pre-apocalypse. Yeah. So she was answering the door for for the Voltex salesman with a huge bloody face and bruises and scars everywhere. <laughs> so it looks like it's an abusive relationship. Yeah. Oh god. It's <laughs> oh, like no no oh, wonder no. you no wonder you don't care about your spouse dying. Which is horrible. Yeah. But the, the oh, as far I don't I don't really want to give away this plot point. Well, it's not really that big because it happens in like the first That's twenty minutes. Fucking, of the, I'm never gonna play this game. Fallout. But the, <laughs> but the cares as far anymore. as like the the whole grief thing happens is uh, as soon as you get out of the uh, out of the cryogenic freeze after like the two hundred year mark, you have the option to go to the cryopod where your still dead spouse is still in there frozen, and open it up, and then have some grief about it, and then you can take their wedding ring. That's yeah. the extent of yeah. the actual grieving process in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then later, then later on, you, spoiler like again, spoiler alert for Fallout Four. It's a two-year-old game, whatever. Spoiler <laughs> alert. It turns out your I'm son, fun, never your, playing this your game, son so. is actually was actually taken by this uh, by this corp by this in- institution called well the institute, and they're yeah. a big, they're a big scientific institute trying to run the local wasteland really behind, the, behind the scenes with uh, yeah, with yeah. crazy sci-fi with stuff. Yes, and your son, <laughs> your son is now has risen to a position of leadership. And, and you can kind of you can kind of have some conversation with them about okay, why did you do this? What 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 benefits does the institute have for the for for the for the local world? And you can either choose to side with your son in the institute, or you can side with one of three other factions, which are the Brotherhood of Steel, which are kind of like a big uh, big isolationist. Uh, Sci-fi that have, yeah, that have been in all the other games previously, and they're they're kind of a big deal in the world. Or you could side with the Minutemen, which are a more local militia that are just trying to protect the Nobody folks of Wasteland and basically the be the policemen. Or you could side with oh, fuck, the uh, railroad. 
rail with the railroad, which are which are kind of a they're kind of they're anti institute specifically because the institute has been using AI as slaves basically, and they want to free the AI. The problem with this. Which is which is something which is an interesting problem for the game to have after its predecessor, New Vegas, handled this so well, oh, is yeah. that you have to choose one of the factions, and you can at no point are you able to convince the other factions to join you. You have to pick one, even when it feels like the Minutemen and the Railroad should be natural allies. There is nothing your character can do to convince them, even if I've done a dozen side quests to help the, help the Minutemen, even if I've helped out the, the Railroad, and I'm clearly, I'm ascended to being their God King in both factions i have to choose listen, one of the other banner. in order for the end game to happen listen banner though maybe the minutemen are just uh you know um android races so you can <laughs> you can fight with that well yeah. i will tell you this preston Gar- uh, garvey would be one thing that needs to be eliminated <laughs> yeah he needs, he needs to get he needs to get going oh but, god he is the worst part of that game yeah but the problem is that the the end game as a result feels very unsatisfying because you are not really able to to express your player agency the game is forcing you basically to say okay you have these four buttons in front of you you have to press one of them because this is deus ex yeah <laughs> yeah there's also there's also the fact that a lot of people expressed a a, a lot of hatred for the game because it doesn't give you an, an option to say, you know what, fuck that kid. Because if this was Fallout New Vegas, that would be an option. Yeah. Yes. And now Fallout it's New Vegas not. handled all of this so much Man, better. Man, Fallout New Vegas was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Why it's Fallout 4 is such a disappointment because yeah. it feels like they feels like they took the broad strokes of what people liked about New Vegas, like oh, multiple factions, and not necessarily a one uh, a one to one good bad good bad ratio in your karma. But then it but then it decided, you know what? No, we can't have we can't have player agency here. You have to pick one or the other. We can't. We have to. We want to have you play as this outsider, but you can't at any point really express because I guess they decided it would just be too hard to write that kind of character. But then at some point you have to ask, why did you make this kind of character if you're not going to write for yeah. it? And, yeah, the, I've and seen the thing plenty is, plenty of time travel stories with that problem too, yeah, and, where characters just don't care that it's been 200 years since. Yeah. Uh, the very first thing that should have happened when my character came up to the big city in the middle and was asked to buy to buy stuff, the very first thing he should have said is, "What? What do you mean, yeah. bottle caps or currency? Hey, what I, the why? fuck is what, wrong with you? Telling you? Me my, you're telling me my thousand dollar of pre-war money is worthless? What the fuck?" Yeah. And uh, like the the thing is, the Bethesda has for some reason this whole ridiculousness when it comes to writing for Fallout games. Because they didn't make Fallout New Vegas, which is why it's different. It's well written. That's but, yeah, uh, it but the thing is, Indians. for some reason, the carrot on the stick is always family when they write a Fallout game. Because in Fallout 3, it was find your dad. And that was the main plot of that movie, of that game. Now and now it's son. find your son. And it's like, no one really, really wants to go through that again. Because when you had Fallout where it was like, hey, figure out why you got shot in the head and left, into a, left in a grave. That's a vague enough objective where you could go multiple places and find answers pops possibly. Yeah. And and you you're not worried about oh I need to find this exact person even though there is technically an exact person to deal with on that. Mm-hmm. But that whole objective leads literally into several other objectives that eventually lead to the end game where you have yeah. multiple different paths to get to the end game. 
but it's not if you have built up rep with multiple factions you can with 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 some well obviously with some hardship convince them to kind of lay aside their differences in 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 pursuit of the main goal which is making sure maybe either the legion or the ncr don't take over the wasteland because you feel that the other the other one's better plus you could also uh tinker with all the guys that run the casinos in new vegas yeah, and yeah. get certain ones to do certain things and all that, or you That's can wipe them all out. One of my favorite parts of that game is is yeah. just going around different casinos and playing playing mind games with them to convince them to destroy each other. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. also nobody nobody gives a shit about their virtual son. Like, what kind of objective is that? Like, yeah, especially they, when they, he looks so he looks so crappy and fake. Yeah, looks, they they make like you a, care. Like, like, like oh, an American sniper. Yeah, but I, I, mean, I don't think give a shit. Even Fallout 3 had the problem where, like, everywhere you tried to go in the main storyline, it was, oh, sorry, Liam Neeson's in another castle. Yeah. He got old yeah. fast. Yeah. <laughs> and then and finally you found his castle, and then he died immediately. Yeah, and the, the funniest thing is somebody, found, somebody did a speed run where you can literally go from the vault, make a straight beeline, and find him. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, so that's, though. It, that's, that's possible. That's interesting, though. That's the yeah. only interesting thing about the yeah. whole thing. But the, so but the story is... still sucks. Because yeah, that's you true. find your dad, and then once you find your dad, the game's pretty much over. Yeah, but it's it even worse. It's even worse in 4, because yeah, you it can't is. actually go and find the, Yeah, you son. actually you you don't have that find freedom. him until you get to yeah. the end of the game. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it, it sucks. It sucks so bad. I, yeah. I hated it. So I mean, granted, main... I played the hell out of that game because I like the mechanics on it. Yeah, I, I still got like 80 good. hours in the Fallout 4, yeah. even though I have tons of bad things to say about it. Yeah. So they, the they just make games like that. Narrative with that uh, game. Yeah. I would also say uh, that game also needed a couple passes in QA because, god oh, well. damn, did I need that console. <laughs> it's the two. I mean, that's just the normal Bethesda game yeah, at this it's, point. Yeah. It's, Inescapable. They don't have a if, QA department there. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you I think Elder that. Scrolls Six is going to going to revolve around family, or do you think they're still trying to keep that as open as possible? I'm just wondering. Well, what I happened. haven't, I haven't seen them do that in the Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, Those Elder Scrolls two. never had that. That's usually a Fallout exclusive thing yeah. that that but Obsidian how, does. But how I mean, much are you going to bet that you're going to be a prisoner? So as Fallout Five, <laughs> you're going to be yeah. Fallout Five. You're going to be trying to find your find your mother, and it's going to be just right. The Goldilocks. Yeah. <laughs> No, it'll be uh, it it'll be uh, you're you're looking for your mother. Sibling. It should be played by uh, by Linda Hamilton, just so that you can get kind of that Terminator feel. Yeah, and you'll still be fighting the the Institute, so you'll have to deal with uh, with uh, robots. Well, are we are we writing fan fiction now? And then at the end of the game, you no, meet we're your writing fanfic. At the end of the game, you meet your character from Fallout Four, and he asks you if you want to join the Avenger Initiative. Yeah. And then it's all the main characters from the last three Fallout games. Yeah. I play Fallout Avengers. <laughs> That'd be pretty rad. Uh, what else do we want to fix, guys? Um, so, I've okay, got a quick go one because it, it's easy. Okay, uh, talk, go ahead. I've been playing, uh, I've been hate playing Valkyrie Revolutions in between other games here. Oh, Lord. Yeah. yeah. So, there's several things you can do to fix Valkyrie Revolutions, the, the prequel to Valkyrie Chronicles. Make it a Chronicles game? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So Wait, hold on. It's a it's a prequel to Valkyria Chronicles. Yes. Yes. It's sort of. And it it's, plays it's like like the Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah. So here's what. There's a few problems with the story, namely that it doesn't actually match up to Valkyria Chronicles. If you try and make sense of what the hell is going on, which doesn't make sense, it's supposed to take place like a hundred years beforehand, but like all the tech is way beyond anything in Valkyria Chronicles. So you have story problems. Mm-hmm. 
the, Star, the Star Wars prequels don't make sense. But worst of all is the gameplay. Oh, you can, yay. You can beat most of the gameplay by walking forward and spamming the attack button. Until you get to the bosses, in which case you will lose, because the bosses are broken is all, mm-hmm. all get out. Fantastic. That so as... As Merv noted, the fix is make it a damn Chronicles game. <laughs> because Valkyrie Chronicles, Chronicles best part was its tactical RPG-ness, selecting the characters, running around, and having the whole intercepting fire thing. And that's all out the window in this game. This yeah. game is all just straight action RPG. Not even a very good RPG at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to go away from the tactical route, more for the RPG route... You want to do something at least like Dragon Age, where you can command your um, your your party members around and have them like actually strategize and positioning matters and stuff. You, you kind of can. You can switch from a group party mode to um, a dual mode, where it's two teams of two to controlling just yourself. But there's no reason to do it mm. because, because like you if just you have your, to victory. If you have your party members next to you and they walk into a spotlight, nothing happens. They will not set off landmines. They will not set off spotlights. They don't actually trigger anything. There is no reason not to have them next to you. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the three games I bought my PS4 just for, and it's turned oh. into a hate play just to get to the end of it. <laughs> oh, that's really a shame. Sad to hear that. Yeah. Because I've heard, I've heard, like nothing positive about that. Game. Yeah, neither have I. Like. But let's be honest, this franchise has been going downhill since the first one. You know, Valkyrie I mean, Chronicles didn't even bring the 2... Third one over here. I, I will actually uh, do an addendum to Valkyrie Chronicles 2 could fit in this category. Because oh, it's God. 90% of a good game until no. you get to the grind. No, it's not. It's not, though. The story is ridiculously stupid and just <laughs> annoying. The story the story's weak, but if you didn't have the It's not weak, it's anime plot. bad. Anime bad. <laughs> Anime that's bad a, is regular good. It's wow, that's a level really... so bad. It's it's bad in anime uh, category, which is like like whole new level of bad. It, it's it's an it's an anime four, which makes it makes it a regular two. Yeah, <laughs> which is really bad. Like you yeah. could there's have good anime. anime. Like there's good anime, <laughs> but bad anime story. is really bad. Yeah, I just remember it's something about the military academy and stuff going wrong. But the bigger thing that always caught me that game was. You have to grind to get class changes and weapons, and all the grinding is random if it's going to actually give you what you need. So you have to do some missions ten times to get one thing, and it's just not worth doing to get to the end of the game. That's so not fun. I, no. It's really not. I heard there's a patch that fixes it, though, which makes Valkyrie 2 much better. And I hear 3 is a lot better, but I've never played oh, yeah. the third one. 3 is better well, than That's because they never brought 3 over to the West. Yeah. I know. <laughs> And it's hey, classic it's Japan. Japan. Yeah, Something. yeah. Don't bring the games over that people want. No, bring yeah. over Valkyrie Revolution instead. That's a yeah. whole another podcast conversation because I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, we could go on and on about like we were gonna what, do an episode one day about video game localization. Yeah, all and like, why stuff doesn't get brought over. I, I don't even I don't even care about localization. Why do we still have region locking? That's the yeah, dumbest that's... thing ever. If you're not going to bring it over here, take the money of somebody that wants to import it themselves. Uh, hey, man. Hey, man. I agree with you. Living in Europe, <laughs> I would I would actually very much prefer everything to be le- region-free. 
Yeah. Sometimes they want to translate uh, Atlas game, especially Atlas Atlas games, yeah. to, to like five languages, and they say, "Oh, you can't play it for like two years because we right. have to translate this." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, I don't give a shit. I want to play it in English." Yeah. And there's so. some there's some places where they just won't because yeah. they're like, "Well, the story's too weird for the West, so we're just going to go ahead and leave it in Japan." And it's like, "No, I want to play that." Let me play it without having to modify my system just to be able it's, to get it to work. I think that's one thing that we've sort of learned this year, though, is that people are going to play Japanese games. They're yeah. good games. Yeah. Like, look, Nier Automata, US... Nio, Persona 5, they're all hits. Yeah. The, yeah. the US can sell Tokyo Mirage sessions. There's no game too weird for the US. Oh, yeah. fucking Yakuza. No, there's problems. There's problems. <laughs> this is a huge yeah. problem with hentai VNs. Like, god damn it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> of course, Banner would go there. Banner, come on. That's pro. why you have this. Like, hey, hey, Humble why. recently did like a, like a honey, hum, hum, yeah, it was Humble Bundle Pop, or whatever. Uh, like three of the Sakura games. Yeah, it's it a little embarrassing. Did it have Ultra Despair Girls in there too? Should did have. not, because that's a, an NIS America game. I how, recently how, finished Ultra Despair Gun? Girls. Oh, no, God. There is a Gun. segment of that game that is just so wrong on every level really you don't say <laughs> yeah. no i, like, I see no problems with it which one's which one's is the one about the girl boyfriend pardon me no, hatful boyfriend is great i don't know yeah. what you're hatful boyfriend about. Is, is wonderful on every level yeah. because yes it's but it's kinda, also bizarre it's shit kinda, yeah it yeah. is bizarre yes yes i, I mean completely. it became a hit because it's bizarre shit it's yeah. no katawa shoujo that's for sure uh, or prisoner girls well. or whatever that game is Katawa Shoujo was actually developed, I believe, mostly in the West. Yeah. Actually, hmm. yeah, it was developed by it was developed by a bunch of four chaners who got together. Yes, oh God, fucking. Which you it. think like it sounds like it's going to be the worst thing in the world, right? It's surprisingly uh, good. An erotic visual novel developed by four chaners. It's still being, kind of bad. Yeah, because it's four chan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it ends up it's being one of the most sensitive be. depictions it's, it's, of d- disability. In video I guess games. it's still, but it's still kind of, I don't know, like should, like you like burnable girls, I guess you like that's weird. Like you, I don't know, it's like skeevy in a way. We, it's we, no secondary simulator. Yeah. Most sensitive depiction of disability in a video yeah. game is a low bar when there's like three options to choose from. Yeah. You got yeah. Luca's mom and Chrono Trigger, and what else? You got yeah. Visus Mar from Coder 2. And you can. Yeah, you Wait, can hold on. Luca's mom doesn't even really yeah. count because she yeah, because gets legs back if you do yeah. it. That's Only after you change the timeline. So you have her before but the still, timeline change. Even then, she doesn't do anything but sit there in, a, in her wheelchair or whatever and complain. So I mean, there's also not... there's also Joker from Mass Effect. Oh yeah, that yeah. one was a good one. That yeah. one was a good one. And uh, who's the guy in the wheelchair from GTA Five? Forget his name. Uh, I don't remember. The, he, the guy who sent you on heist. I can't remember his name. Uh, there's it? actually the the one character from uh that from Watch Dogs Two that's on the autism spectrum. Okay. Oh, interesting. Oh yeah. yeah. They video cool. games are better than we thought. Hmm. Uh, they, oh, they're getting better. They're still not yeah. great. Yeah, but, but they're <laughs> yeah. getting there. They're getting yeah. there. Um, all right, so uh, Science, you haven't fixed a game yet. What do you want yeah. to fix? Uh, have you guys heard about a game called Sunless Sea? I've heard yeah, of it, but I don't sea. know what it is. The game's kind of um, cool. Yeah, the game's kind of cool, but it has a giant one big problem. 
Um, so I'm going to describe a game if, if any, because it's not as uh, mainstream as, as maybe other games here. Um, so it's a game that's like kind of like a choose your own adventure um, style, like um, you pick uh, like, but it's on on you're a you're a pirate, let's say, not exactly a pirate. You can choose to be a pirate, but it's the sea adventure. So you're going through through um, from port to port, and you're like um, dealing with people, like um, you know, um, uh, giving them stuff for money and like for information, information for money. And you're like, uh, when you arrive at an island, you kind of can embark on an adventure, and you like talk to people, and it's it's literally a choose an adventure style kind of thing at that point because you're like uh choosing actions that you're gonna take and they um they have certain uh consequences and sometimes you have to use points that you gained in other areas of the game that you use on uh, other islands that you or um affiliations that allow you to do something so it's kind of an interesting rpg kind of like a story-based game Right. And this is di- this this whole design is directly opposite to another design that's in this game that's like that's that's shit. Ha- Guys, do you like roguelikes maybe? No, I've never liked roguelikes. No, no, eh, no. I've only played like I. one. Like there- you They're know okay, what? but not yeah. not for extended period of time. Yeah, but you know what's good about roguelikes? Each time you play, it's kind of a different thing because yeah. you kind of play a different way. You can. This is a fucking text-based game. Each time you fucking play, you have to read the same fucking thing, and you're skip- skipping like large parts of text because you've read them like four times already. Who thought this was a good idea? The game is exceptionally difficult. Like, there are battles that you, you, you kind of get into skirmishes on the sea, right? And they're not especially difficult, but sometimes you go into an area that's too, like, overleveled, or you also have fuel in your ship, and sometimes if you have, you, you're not, uh, you, you don't plan your journey too well, you can you can die because you don't have fuel on, on the sea. Um, and And... It's not balanced especially well, but it would have been good if the difficulty level wasn't so high. Um, but it's like straight up in, a, in like at the beginning, you like die two, three, four times. And then another couple of hours, you die two times, maybe three. And then maybe the more you play, the less you'll die. Great. But this isn't a game to do that. Like you could have made a simpler, uh, like easier game that's it, like far more enjoyable because the the meat of this game is going through uh, through this map that's a large map this is an open world game that you can like travel from island to island and gather stories and that all of the stories are exceptionally well written it's like obsidian levels of 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 stories we have here it's very imaginative it's like a weird world where you're uh, trapped in a in the yeah. sea underneath uh, the world, you're like in a giant cave, and they're like um, weird Cthulhu mythos and like uh, science fiction stuff, and it's all kind. Of, it's a very crazy, stump, steampunky kind of world, and and all of the stories are fantastic. The only problem is that I'm doing them like four times in a row, and 
it's getting it's it really gets boring. And one time I um, I played this game for like twenty hours and uh, I had I had enough after that because I died uh, like twenty hours in and I was like fuck no I ain't doing the whole beginning part again because at the beginning you, 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 your ship isn't that much equipped isn't equipped in fuel to go to the far sides of the map so you have to explore these beginner islands and it's like the same stories in that in those islands over and over again. It's such a bad choice to go with the trend and, oh, everybody likes roguelikes now. Okay, let's make it a roguelike. Like, who thought this was a good idea? I always dislike roguelikes. Yeah, so Mm. you'd suggest either sort of less repetition to begin with or Uh, making the game a lot easier. No, eliminating the roguelike thing. Uh, Oh, eliminate the roguelike structure entirely. Yes, because they had this legacy thing when your character dies, some things just pass on to you do your next character. If you, like, buy, like... Uh, like there's certain things you have to buy to in order to activate that, so it's al- already kind of complicated. Like get that shit out of there. It's it's not it doesn't give it doesn't do anything. It's not pleasurable in any way. It's not fun. I think um, the only time I enjoyed that type of mechanic was in like uh, what was it the the game that was on iOS uh, Infinity Blade. Oh That's yeah, the that only game that I like that in because it was a real quick play. And you were going to die anyway because it did get progressively harder. Yeah. So, yeah, come back as another guy with basically the same skills and the same, mm-hmm. you, the same like, equipment as what you had when you died. Yeah. And it made sense. But in a lot of these, it's just like, it's yeah. not fun after, like, an hour. Um, I, I liked it in Rogue Legacy because each time you went on an adventure, you even if you sucked, you got even a like a quarter of a little bit of a per like a percent better like a little bit better each time you went even if you sucked you got a little better your character like it leveled up yeah so you knew you're gonna get good at the game because if not by skill by just sheer force but, you're but, going to yeah. get better by attrition. Yeah, much. exactly. And Binding of Isaac was also pretty a good roguelike because it's a very arcadey game that you just kind of fuck around with and you you can get good and you collect these items but you know, it's not it's not about that, you know. It's it's not about like um um this constant um constant level system. It's like uh you're going to get good at the game, you're going to beat it or 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 not, but it doesn't matter because the game is like 15 minutes yeah. well, half an hour long. That's so, that like Spelunky's advantage was yeah, it's fast. Exactly. You could just fast. run, you don't really need to do anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> but not text-based games, guys. Who thought it was a good idea? Like I don't know what they even thought like it boggles I mean, the mind. Yeah. It came out at a time when roguelikes were super popular. Yeah. So this is what happens if you chase trends sort of mindlessly. Exactly. That's that's the main problem of this game. They are making a sequel. I pray to God that they've listened to the vast majority of reviewers and players, and they're like, they're going to ease up on this shit because it's just it's it's frustrating when when there's so much of good stuff in there. Like I I haven't experienced half of the game because I was so frustrated with it. When I this is a text-based game, I should have been able to just like go on an adventure and beat yeah. it. Like, yeah. uh, it's cr- crazy. It's, it's, and it's, it would be it would be like playing a Bioware game and halfway through dying and having game. No, you can't reload your save. You have to start over. Exactly. Like, oh, come on. Like, okay, so 
that's every just... shepherd is the next shepherd's like daughter. <laughs> wasn't there wasn't there somebody who wanted to make a game where when you died it literally erased your save? Kojima, I think Kojima wanted. Yeah, to I think that was. Well, Kojima. they've got that from Steel Battalion. Steel <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Steel... Oh yeah, that's right. If your pilot died, yeah, you you actually lost your entire save. Yeah, yeah if you did a ejectum, it wiped your save file. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you know, but that that's freaking that... Kojima. It really bums me out because that's the only bad part about this game, and it's a big flaw. But uh, the rest of the game is very, very much fun. Like when you're exploring, when you're talking to these characters, when you're acquiring info that can be traded for other info, and like you get into these weird occult things that like uh, and cannibalism and like supernatural events. Like it's a very, very fun. But then you die and you say, fuck it, and you uninstall the game. So I, I have such problems with games that introduce both RNG and an inability to go back and try to try to fix shit. Because uh, the, XCOM 2 is about the limit of what I can tolerate in terms of what of RNG. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea and I don't understand playing Iron Mode and Iron Man mode no, in that game because no. sometimes that game just fucks you. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 annoying. And yeah, well, you know, RNG. Uh, uh, it can be, it can be really, it can be like you think that uh, by applying good tactics, you can like beat the RNG factor, right? Like, oh, I'm good enough tactically to for RNG not to matter so much, right? But it's still yeah, kind sometimes of sometimes RNG is just gonna fuck you. Yeah, you end up but with the tail of distribution. Yeah. I've played enough Fire Emblem games to see how many one percent misses can happen and one percent <laughs> enemy criticals can happen. You get yeah. screwed at the times. Yeah, and it's weird. Like, and of course, you as a player like see the critical hits of enemies more than you see uh, your critical hits, and you see oh, more yeah. of your critical misses than your enemy's critical misses. So it's always, I think, the game always have to be like kind of nudging the luck in your direction i think like it's kind of should be programmed in a way that you kind of get a little bit more of the lucky shots than your enemy because well as unfair as that sounds for the computer player you are playing the game not them so you know yeah sometimes um there's some games where the probability they show you is not actually the probability uh, working under the hood. Yeah, XCOM yeah, yeah. actually does that. Someone actually came when it, I think it maybe even a dev came out and said the, the probabilities are fudged a little bit. And the game actually does help you more than it may seem because sometimes yeah. it actually will fudge things in your favor if you've been on a real bad run. And, and that changes depending on the difficulty. But like, like I said, I, I tolerate in that game because the game still feels fair if I'm playing on a, on a reasonable difficulty. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I rarely feel like the game just, game just screwed with me. Yeah. yeah, I okay, think I heard so... with XCOM and maybe with Fire Emblem 2 where like if you miss a lot in a row, it starts shifting the percentage into your favor. Whereas if the yeah. enemy misses a lot, it shifts into their favor too. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. they've that's, got an interesting, that's an interesting thing like they're, they're making, they're doing. They're willing um, to tear you down if you get too good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. That's that's what I would change. That's an, it's, a, it's a game that I really liked and and would have loved. So... Unfortunately, you know, sometimes that that one one flaw makes you kind of hate the game that you would otherwise love. Yeah, I think that was a really good example of of a kind of game that if we change an element, we could pretty much fix it entirely. Because yep. that's what we do here at the podcast. We fix things. <laughs> Is that what we do? 
I mean, we also break a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah that we murder right. people. I think we also murder people. Yeah. From what I've heard. Oh yeah, we you, saved all the murder for the end. Yeah, who we got three contracts murder? to fill. Well, um, who are we supposed we, to kill? We know I somebody who did killed it in Mario sixty four. I think he's volunteering. Oh yeah, an engineer. Sorry, we have to kill you. I already stopped Bulls. Banner, so I I uh, I think I jumped the gun here. Oh, stop! Banner's like, ooh, that felt good. <laughs> um. Oh, well, uh, is there anything else you guys want to bring up before we call this podcast to a close? I actually do have uh, another one. Uh, because it wouldn't be me being on the Avocado Games cast without me shitting on David Cage. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's show David Cage so for the next five minutes. Let's talk a bit about Indigo Prophecy. Which oh. actually starts off as a pretty good game in that whole first sequence. Because that's the sequence that everybody played in demos, and everybody was like, oh, shit, this is crazy. And, you know, they got to see the whole, you know, your character kills a guy without your control, and now you have to clean it up, you have to hide all the evidence, and then you got to do it all before the cops come in and you get caught. Mm -hmm. So, that's a good start to the game, and then Uh, the game game goes uh, to shit. Which game we're talking about? Well, Indigo I think Prop. for you, it would be Fahrenheit. I, it's Fahrenheit. Yeah, exactly. It's Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah, <in> Fahrenheit. <laughs> um, Sorry, I, I forgot everybody didn't get it as Indigo Prophecy. But uh, <laughs> How come Europeans got it as Fahrenheit? They don't even use Fahrenheit. Because it was oh, Fahrenheit 9-11. snap! Celsius! Well, they invented Fahrenheit, so... <laughs> yeah. But uh, basically, that whole game is a, is a complete clusterfuck. And most of it has to do with Cage's very stupid storytelling because yeah, it's, it's always stupid. stupid. It's never yeah. not stupid. Uh, let me interject uh, here that uh, I really do think that um, David Cage came up with that first scene and this, they designed it and they said, this is really cool. Yeah. And then they fucked the rest of the game up. Yeah, um, because David yeah. Cage's story writing is old. Yeah. But but <laughs> if if that game was exactly like that first se- yeah. se- sequence, like uh, um, a number of the sequences when it's like a logic puzzle, yeah, like from multiple perspectives, it would have been awesome. But then they yeah. just kind so of screwed what it. The the main thing is let's get rid of the whole alien bullshit because oh, that yeah. was completely unnecessary. I don't even know why aliens were even involved. One of the factions in that game is the internet literally became sentient and manifested an avatar in the real world in order I to mess with the player. Yep. Oh, yeah. I forgot that what part. I forgot that part. fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a big because, fight between the I'm internet and aliens. But you, you have like in the Illuminati, you have yeah. space aliens, and then mm-hmm. you have the internet, yeah. which I'm just like, that doesn't, that's, that's just stupid. They could have just gone with the one faction, which was basically... What are basically... you talking about? The Illuminati versus the Internet versus Aliens? That's, no. The that's, 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 that's the, the best, worst Cyberman thing C. I've ever heard. It's terrible. I, mean, I played that game. But... The, the Illuminati was more than enough because they had mysticism, yeah. which they used to get your character the to Illuminati kill The Illuminati had Aztec mysticism game. on their yeah. side. So how would you fix this? Okay, well, first of all, like I said, get rid of anything but the illuminati as the as the uh as the main villains because yeah. you can work with just that uh second of all fuck the uh the uh quick time events oh my quick god quick time events have to go 
Hey, but, but then we wouldn't get these giant beetles that were attacking you in the yeah, office. Yeah, the giant beetles weren't necessary either. <laughs> that was such a fucking you know, Now you're just talking crazy. I don't need to have a giant fight with my entire apartment. That is unnecessary. I kind of do. <laughs> but these are the awesome time, ideas, though. These are kind the, of stupid, awesome ideas. Yeah, the the quick time but, events were terrible. They need to find another mechanic. Yeah, in or order make to make the quick time event sequences less ridiculous instead of having to instead of making it like a freaking rhythm game. Yeah, to press like yeah, that's, sequences that's of sixteen something that they buttons. Could do. I think there was a just, rhythm sex game in in that game. Oh. oh yeah, there there are sex quick time events. Yeah, there, oh too. yeah, no sex quick time events. Yeah, you but have the, to move the analog stick in a yeah. In a but, the, but the thing well, is, you, you fuck you up do, a quick time event, the sex scene. Yeah, but you would do the quick time events for really really stupid shit. Yeah, oh, and yeah. it's like there's no reason for me to hit like 18 buttons to answer a question. Man, and, David Cage is a perv. In all, in all of their, in all of his games, there's like a nude scene or a sex scene. Yeah, there is. We won't yeah, talk he about. Yeah, Ellen Page nipples. We won't what, talk about beyond. There is a there is a forced sex scene in Indigo Prophecy in which one of the participants is a zombie. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. but uh, we won't talk oh, about. Oh, now I want to David Cage's entire scrapbook of Ellen Page from the age of six up until. Uh, 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 skip that. Uh, <laughs> But uh, all right, yeah, yeah. But uh, what else was that I that I had for that? Hold on, let me break up. Let me bring up my notes. So get rid of the get rid of the uh, the fucking Um, get rid of David Cage, maybe. Oh yeah, that was a stretch goal. Don't let (laughs) David Cage make it. Uh, As well as get better writers, which is which would also go in with the don't let David Cage make it. Uh, That's a stretch goal because if somebody else had actually written that, like if David Cage had written that original scene. And said, okay, this is the tone of the game. And he had gotten competent writers to finish the rest of it. That could have been a good game where you could have had, you know, you're playing as one character that's trying to figure out who caused this whole issue while trying to stay a step ahead of the cops. And I'm not sure if that works if you play the cops, because that's one of the things in the game is that you play both sides and it's kind of weird that you're like, well, I'm going to hide this evidence. And then you can go ahead and take one of the other cops and be like, oh, hey, I found this evidence that I put there. So it might be good to just play as one side and then try to stay one one step ahead of when the cops are around. And then maybe there's an option in New Game Plus where you play the other way. Uh, but not make it, you know, both sides are part of the story. Because it kind of defeats the challenge. Mm-hmm. But... I think if it was like, okay, I need to get away, I need to stay away from the cops, yes, step ahead of the cops without getting caught, but find out who's causing this shit because they're fucking with my life would have been a much better game. And then yeah. get rid of the Matrix Kung Fu scenes because that was dumb. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, so I think we've got a blueprint for, <coughs> excuse me, for fixing Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy. Yeah. Um, and Just else we in got- time. Detroit, yeah, become human, 2018, oh. and everyone's looking forward to it. No, they're not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that there, are literally, there are literally nothing but YouTube Let's Players playing to buy that game. Yeah, there, <laughs> there are. There, I love that there were two different different interviews with David Cage posted on the same day on different sites. In one of them, he says, this game is really political. It's trying to say something about the modern world. And the other interview, he's quoted as saying, I don't want this game to be political. Yeah, it's just about robots or just about androids or whatever. 
or maybe it's about class. Who knows? Yeah. I, I yeah. we'll never know until we. Until Have we you guys it. seen that that meme on the internet, which is like, um, which is like David Cage saying, "Can a robot learn to be human?" And then Yoko Taro is like, "Can a human?" And David Cage is like, "What?" And then Yoko Taro is like, "Can a human learn to be human?" Huh? And David Cage is like, "I don't get it." <laughs> <laughs> that looks sounds like, about how David Cage would take that conversation. Looks like they're going yeah. to take none of your advice, and for Troy to become human, it's going to add in speech checks. Yay! Yay. Because that's what we ask for. Everyone, Not everyone loves game. everyone loves the pheromone minigame in Deus Ex: Human Revolution. <laughs> hey, I actually do like that. Actually, I do like that. <laughs> but that's because Deus Ex: Human Revolution knows how to make conversations. Yeah intriguing yeah and right really the pheromone check part of it is kind of pretty small it's more just you're doing a conversation through them and it doesn't always trigger either right and it's something that in some of the later conversation battles if you trigger it on purpose um they get mad at you they're like i know you're trying to use your augs against me i do i do like that one moment where you where he says one word and then your pilot says come on i know you have that pheromone stuff but come on did you really just try to use that on me come on (laughs) yeah pilot it's a pretty great scene um so i think we've fixed a bunch of video games today um now before we go i'd just like to say if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast we actually have a website we do. That's right. We got oh, we got a website on the Avocado internet. Avocado Gamescast. Yeah, AvocadoGamescast.wordpress.com. No, oh, wow, we are straight balling right now. I know. <laughs> We're rolling amazing. in that money from. I know. Dollar Shave yeah, rolling Club. in that money from Dollar Shave Club. Can't wait till we start that Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me Dollar money, Shave Club internet. is our Patreon. <laughs> I need money. We're really going to get sued by Dollar Shave Club one of these days. <laughs> they won't anyway, care. Our... <laughs> Let me tell you about Free MailChimp. Free publicity for them. Anyway, we mail post camp. link dumps mail on camp. our website. We fact check what we say sometimes because we lie a lot by accident. Oh, yeah. Because we're not that bright. Sorry, guys. Um, we're also on iTunes and Google Play Music. Just search for Avocado Gamescast if you want to subscribe to us, which you should because we're the best. We're the best podcast on the internet of all podcasts of all time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah, yeah and, a word, don't, and, a, and a word from our sponsor, Detroit Become Human, coming yeah. in 2018. <laughs> and don't for, don't forget to go to caspermasterses.com and use yeah. code AvocadoCast. Yeah. Lucky Strike Cigarettes. Exactly. Oh, yeah, Blue Apron. If you want Blue Apron, go to blueapron.com and please tell them to support us because you're very poor. All right, guys, this has been fun. Uh, thank you all for being on the podcast, and thank you, listeners, for listening to us blabber on mm-hmm. about video games. Yeah. See you later. See ya. Yep. Bye bye.